Welcome to the International Bus Podcast brought to you by Wordbee. I'm your co-host Tanya Falkner. And I'm your co-host Robert Rogge. And on today's show, we have Alfredo Spagna. He's a senior translation and localization consultant at Texting Context, which is a team of independent consultants. Alfredo uh, has a background in technical translations, and he has also held various positions in business development. And today we want to talk to him about the quality of source documents. Welcome to the show, Alfredo. Thank you a lot, uh, Tanya and Robert. Cool. So let's get started here. Um, this is a topic that's near and dear, I think, to our hearts uh, as well. So I guess before we go too deep, um, when we say, well, first of all, we saw this on LinkedIn, right? So you, yeah. you posted a, a few things on LinkedIn about um, the quality of source documents. So what type of content are we talking about here? Um, just like technical content, or are we talking about marketing and internet and all, all the content? Basically, I was meaning everything, all kind of contents. Uh, you know, you you see on LinkedIn uh, several time uh, articles about how fast you can translate, uh, how many words, uh, so all stuff about volume, speed, uh, cost, everything like this, and and then seldom you see actually opinions or articles about the quality of the source text. Um, so I, I thought that this is something that really affect all the other factor, all the other elements of a translation or localization project. Right, right, okay. Um, Tanya, I'm gonna quickly read the, that slide. Mm -hmm. There's a slide deck about uh, content and it's they're talking about marketing content, but I think it kind of is relevant. It says, lots and lots and lots more content. So we're making more content from more and more sources from a pool of inexperienced content creators that are stretched to the limit. There's only one conclusion. We're all about to be buried in crap. <laughs> so that was a slide. This is from 2013. Um, so what? why do you think that the quality of content is decreasing? Look, I, 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 I start this, this uh, business or I start to, to translate documents in the, in the 1986. So sometimes ago, where you computers were not there, and uh, basically my work was was done with the, a typewriting machine. And at that time, we received the projects proposed or perfects, basically proposed, and the texts were written in a very careful way. And, and you saw there was a, a sort of you know red ribbon along the text and the terminology was consistent. Uh, the people really, the editors took care about the, the quality of the, of the content. Uh, right now, um, you see more and more uh, misspellings, um, sentences left just there without understanding actually what they want to say. Um, a lot of words put together without a real meaning and, and this of course, uh, is putting us uh, translators in a very difficult situation, uh, and 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 this this type of situation is caused by the uh, huge amount of of content that should be published and actually used uh, within a couple of minutes because every content is is, for example, for internet is has a very a short life cycle. 
uh, it's a little bit longer for for taking out documentation, but but you know the content has uh, shorter and shorter life cycles. So the accuracy of this type of documents is is going is is going to to decrease uh, more and more. Do you think that this just has to do with um, a lack of time or just because content creators already know that the lifespan is very short and that's why they don't put as much effort into the documents anymore? I think this is a combination of, of different aspects. Is it, uh, not, uh, let's say, content, create, content creators um, are under pressure because they have to create content more and more, so they try to you know, assemble documents, uh, picking uh, bits, piece, bits and pieces around without really um, verifying if, if the type of content suits to that specific document. The short life cycle is a second, is a second reason, but there is also, um, let's say, um, a pressure of, of, let's say, for a product, uh, documentation you are you should deliver the product and the documentation at the same time and the documents is is written let's say two days before the the, the product is shipped so i mean there is there is time pressure short life cycle over pressure or overload for for editors uh, unexperienced editors um, most of the time contents are are written by engineers that they just don't care about about writing a document so it, it's i think it's a combination of everything mm -hmm. so in terms of technical documentation specifically like um do you think that that it's impacted by um like the speed of manufacturing and the speed of of building products compared to the past like are, are they just like producing uh, things faster and 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 more of them Yes, uh, this is this is uh, this is one point. The second is uh, that 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 let's say safety rules or, or or parts of the documentation is updated on a very regular uh, regularly, but there is a, a lack of planning. So the companies they know that they have to they they know that they have to update some documents, but they do it at the very last minute. So there is, it seems that there is not a real uh, planning of, of how to write, when to write, how much to write. So you have also um, some contents are very detailed or too detailed for the type of readers and some contents are too superficial for the type of, you know, for, for the type of scope, for example. Mm -hmm. How does that affect um you know, us in the translation industry? Let's say uh, we all uh, talk about uh, translation memory tools, artificial intelligence, machine translation, whatever. And the main target, the main goal is to, you know, create or translate or localize contents in a, in a faster way. This is one, one, one target uh, to, re to, to lower the cost for the customers and the customer wants to pay less and less. And of course, to originally to make all type of content recyclable, but this is not the case. Um, when I use my, the first time I used uh, uh, Trados uh, for freelancers was uh, 
some decades ago. Uh, I mean, the the the, the the main the main slogan was if you put garbage in you get garbage out and this principle is remaining if we have a source document that is all is not is not consistent so if you have a term, a, techno, a, a documentation which is always changing with with un, terminology that is not consistent then at the end of the day uh, we cannot reuse the, the, the translation and we will have always problem in creating a consistent documentation at that. So the target of speeding up the production and lowering cost are not met at all. Actually, you will have more and more problem. And the more inconsistent is the, the source document, the more um, inconsistent is the, is, the, is the translation. So the benefits of a translation memory tool are just are simply lost. Do you see this conundrum getting better anytime soon? <laughs> I mean, this is something, this is actually um, something which is not dependent on us. The, in, the, in the ideal world, customers should, uh, you know, allow translation companies or, or taking documentation companies to, to really take the control of the technical documentation, if we think about technical documentation, meaning uh, also to forget about the old translation memories that are already, um, uh, you know, unusable because of the different problems I mentioned before. So that, that you know, and, and write the documents in a way that is really consistent uh, with the terminology that has been validated by the customer and and I'm referring to already the source terminology not not the target terminology so the source terminology is validated and is consistent the style is validated and consistent and you use the same style and the same terminology over and over and over again so in this way you can get uh, also the, the the full benefits at the end with the translation for example I think uh, too many companies, too many customers see uh, translation and localization still as a as a cost and not as as a value added service. So um, we they, we will always you know try to optimize the cost and to you not know, do the the minimum what is needed, no more, no less. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's kind of related to evangelization, like. You know, if you're a translator or a project manager or whatever in the company and you know all the things you were just talking about, you know that maybe the source documents you're getting aren't um, of a very high quality. How do you how do you kind of approach this with whoever's in charge of that um, and make them understand that this is necessary? What's the what's the incentive for them? To create better content, you know, as you as you mentioned before, I was um, in the, the business development for for almost twenty years, and I, I don't know how many, let's say, real life examples I I showed to to my customers to really uh, highlight the benefits of of having the type of you know a, a, a consistent a good um, source document. And 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 I'm t- not talking about, let's say, quality, better quality, or whatever. I'm talking about 
you know, economical advantage, how much money they can save, they can save in doing the right thing at the right time. But uh, I must say that the, the answer was always the same. Uh, we have no budget, our budget is limited, our bosses, they don't care, our customers, they don't care, whatever. So basically, everyone working in the industry, translation, translators, localizers, technical editors, and whatsoever, they are aware about these problems. But, you know, there is always the, 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 the Mr. Money of the Lord of Money that is saying, no, that's too much, we cannot do that, we cannot do this, and we don't have time, and, and whatever with the terminology, it's not so relevant, etc., etc. So most of the ta of the work that we should do at the beginning of the process, we do at the hands at the end. So we do twice because we do a translation. Then the customer is coming back, is saying, "Okay, I want to change this, this, and that." And then you do the the post editing after that. So you you spend actually double of the money in in doing in 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 repairing what is uh, what has been done. Mm -hmm. The next problem is that, that the, all these corrections, all these changes are not always putting back. So the, the, the translation memories are not updated accordingly. Because again, like of time, like of, of budget, like of whatever. So the, the problems remain there and, and next project you will have again the same, uh, you will have a say, again the same, uh, the same problems. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to sell that long-term thinking sometimes. To yeah, to, but this is uh, mm -hmm. yeah. The only solution is a long-term thinking, mm -hmm. and 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 not that there there are no shortcuts at all. Yeah, it's it's hard. I don't know. It's hard to uh, to because I think people want to do a good job uh, at whatever they do, right? Like uh, yeah. we we want to do good and. Uh, and it's it's painful uh, sometimes if you're in a situation where you have to uh, work on something and it's it's clear that you're not doing it the right way, um, but there's not a budget for it. It's uh, it's a bummer when that happens because people I think people want to do good, you know. Yes, I mean that there is not that people want to deliver garbage. That that that's mm -hmm. actually the opposite. But there is a, a, it's a, a clear frustration because you want to do it in a good way. But you cannot. We at the end of the, of this process uh, are, let's say, let's say I'm I'm a freelancer, so I I'm you know I'm I'm squeezed between between let's say my costs and and uh, the, let's say the the and my customers and the customers are squeezed be, between their costs and their budgets and whatever. So that that that's you know. And there is actually no money available to to do to do it better. Mm -hmm. But I always say that you know instead of thinking that uh, that no solution or, or all solution, it could be uh, possible or feasible to to take let's say to have the fifty percent solution. Let's say that you don't um, maybe have the, the perfection, but at least that you have some basics uh, that are well done. Let's say that, that the customer is using uh, the same terminology over and over a day again, or, or let's say that there is a clear list in the company about the name of the products, the name of the titles, 
of the different uh, managers, the, 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 the whatever. I mean, a part list uh, uh, already defined, etc. And I work for for let's say larger technical uh, translation companies, and they say that 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 you know it's not always the case. The larger is the company, the the inconsistent is the terminology. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you mentioned terminology now. Um, what else is there that makes for a good source document in translation? Are there any guidelines? I mean, uh, it's a good source. It should be a clear. Let's say if we talk about technical documentation, you have to have short sentences, clear, and and you have to think to whom I write this document. Is is my reader uh, an engineer? Is my reader a technician? Whatever, so that you use, uh, uh, let's say, uh, an adequate style. If we have a technician, you should avoid that type of, you know, long, complex sentences. You, you shall simply explain how to install something, and, and there is a, a subject, a verb, and a complement. I mean, as simple as that. You should avoid uh, the type of sentences where, you know, um, they are subject to interpretation, for example. Um, so there are some basic principles that you should use, and these principles are already known since um, at least I started my career as, as translator. So there is nothing new. If you translate um, marketing content, just avoid the type of, you know, uh, sentences or the type of topics that are too uh, binded to the specific culture. Um, make your example with with Finland because I spent there 20 years, and in Finland we have several ways of naming snow. So snow has a different name depending on if it's wet, cold, whatever. And, and in Italian, you have only one name, which is Neve, snow. So if you have a Mercurian text and, and they start to explain all this type of snow, all this type of, of you know, cold weather, that, you know, and the, the target audience is Italy, you know, there will be a problem because, you know, I have only one term for a simple element. Snow is one term and not ten. And explaining this for Italian, should, it's a just a, a waste of time. They will not read it at all. And then these type of examples are thousands around there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So what would be the right thing in, in such a case to just uh, re rewrite the text in Italian or just uh, remove some of the source content from from it? Or what what would be the the right approach when when I mean the right approach is 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 you know as as it was um, it was in the localization industries also you have the sort of internationalize internationalization of the text so you 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 make your text international you put away all different type content mm -hmm. cultural content and you make international so that the expert translator can localize the content in a proper way so that I'm not binding to use the term so that's no, but they can put whatever is different, whatever is, is relevant for an Italian. Mm. Uh, we take the example of Italian. So to have 
let's say, a local, a cultural blinded source document, which is for that type of audience, and have a different, a similar text, which is, which is you know, usable for all different type of language combinations. So whether the translators can be free to adapt the content to the specific target market. And so uh, you mentioned um, earlier, just kind of in passing, um, right. the the customers, um, and you said uh, from the point of view of the of the the business person um, or the the lord of the the money, uh, that uh, the customers don't care was one of the things that we mentioned. And uh, so, do do you think that? I mean, how how much do you think customers and and people in general? Um, care about the, the the quality of the content. Let's say if you have a good content, the people care because they you know they get uh, attracted from that type from that type of content. If you have a good uh, it's a marketing brochure, if you have a good uh, text, the people will read it because they they get interested in in that type of content. Mm. Of course, if you have uh, let's say marketing brochure with with very nice pictures. But then you start to have the type of feeling that mm, it, it, it tastes like a translation. They will be, the people will simply have a look at the pictures and they will not uh, read the content. So again, this is, this is a sort of you know, difference between the importance of the picture, for example, in a brochure and the importance of the text. Pictures, you get the very fancy catalogs, very fancy brochures. With, my, with nice nice pictures, but then the content should be translated uh, within a couple of days, and 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 you do do you, you shall do your best, and and sometimes you know time is not enough. So I mean it's 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 just to you know a good text is always interesting, it's always attracting. A bad text is always you know. People will always say, "Okay, I'm, that's okay. I will, I will look at the pictures." And the same is for technical documentation. I mean, if you have a, a good written technical documentation, of course the people will start to read. But then, if you don't have it, yes, the people will say, "Okay, this is a dramatic translation. I will, uh, I will try to get organized by myself." Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's you know. I, I I know I understand that you cannot you should not invest uh, too much, but at least that you must try to 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 avoid to have uh, content that has no meaning at all. Hmm. I guess to sort of to conclude this, um, basically the best way to shifting back to creating better content would then be just to emphasize that in the long run it will save. Uh, Time and money, right? Would you add anything to that? If we want to save time, if you have, we want to save money, if you speed up the processes, you should have, uh, let's say, the type of you know good contents, standardized with it, with a good terminology, with an adequate uh, language register. If you have everything like this and you use the same principles over and over again, then using a translation memory tool and machine translation system whatever is easy because you know everything is already there 
and everything is standardized in a certain way, at least standardized for that company. But if you change a lot, everything, you know, that then you, you will not get at the end of the day uh, the type of benefits you want to get. So the, 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 the cost saving or, or, or the, the, the speed are not, are not there anymore. And you do, you must do a lot of post editing because everything is not, um, let's say, conform because you have a lot of misspellings and we are still talking about machines that, that, that will not recognize a word, for example, because of, of bad written, of, of a misspelling, for example. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, Robert, do you have any concluding thoughts? Um, yeah, uh, maybe. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I guess from from our point of view so so we work in marketing right and uh and we work for wordbees so we do also like a lot of technical content um but you know we make this podcast is also content we have uh, online panel discussions um, which is content we write blog posts case studies all kinds of things and well we we have an internal debate usually about uh you know the definition of done or what is good enough and uh, and then you have numbers and there's a lot of analytics and there are metrics um you know i'm sure that the you know the in the tech docs world it's all about uh you know reducing your help requests and and measuring the the searches and queries and making sure that they're finding their their answers um you know in marketing it's about website traffic it's about um you know did did people get exposed to your brand um, and when you look at the numbers you know sometimes you see that um, that that blog post you wrote that that wasn't your best post um, for whatever reason people are just loving it right yeah you know and then other times you see you know there's you you know people don't always read you know so like people like you 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 might think that they read your blog post um, but a lot of people just skim skim stuff like uh, so so you know when when it comes time to invest in in your content it's like you know you can't produce bad content especially in business to business and in the long run i think we all agree that it's a bad idea um but in the short term you know it's it's easy to say oh you know look at these are our website stats are good um you know and uh, we're just going to keep making um you know some this, this kind of content for seo reasons or or for whatever reason and say, yeah, and people don't read anyways <laughs> and just take this short term view. Right. And uh, and it's it's hard, I think, to convince people to do to do otherwise. And it's more expensive than than you might think. And it's funny because you said you were like, yeah, you know, these ideas have been around forever. And it's true. Like, like, I think we know we've known how to make good technical content for a long time now. Um, and I think we know how to make good content, other types of content too. Um, but actually doing it is a whole other matter and it, it's more expensive and takes more time than, than people I think, um, realize. I don't know. That's my concluding ramble. I don't usually (laughs) ramble on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. Well, I guess that concludes another episode of the International Bus. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alfredo. Thank you a lot. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks.